Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo Start Sit Show, the Week Five Edition. I am Matt Kajeski, and I am here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. And our title sponsor today is Yahoo Fantasy. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell. That's the best way to support all of us at the Osmo team. And let's see how many likes we can rack up in the chat today. As always, this is a question-based show. So throw any questions you have, start, sit decisions into the chat so Kyle and I can answer all of them for you. Now, Kyle, fantastic game last night. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were taking on the Chicago Bears. And I think we have a number of fantasy takeaways. First and foremost, my guy, Nick Foles, undefeated Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, that is. He gets the W over Tom Brady. But I think more importantly, we had a bunch of little new usage nuggets for both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. What stood out to you? I mean, Nick Foles is our generation's Eli Manning in the way that he just has Tom Brady's number. When Tom Brady shows up, Nick Foles comes and guns him down. I will say that, uh, yeah, neither of these teams looked perfect. Tom Brady certainly didn't look perfect thinking it was, I uh, we thought it was third down on that final fourth down play. I don't know, you know, not much to take away from that. Quite funny, though. He's getting old. Maybe his memory's going away. Ronald Jones, as you have on our show sheet, 100% of the RB carries. Keyshawn Vaughn, not involved as a between-the-tackles runner. And Ronald Jones looked good. I mean, as long as he doesn't make mistakes, he could stand alone as the RB to play and to own, even when Leonard Fournette comes back. I mean, technically, he was back. It was hilarious. We were on – I was on Live Before Lock with Alex Osmo Baker, the man himself, and we open the show like jamming in our CSVs right before right before we get on the show so we can focus on the show. And we were doing that because Leonard Fournette surprised doubtful and then becomes active. Then in the middle of the show, Jay Glazer and a few like Rick Stroud tweet out that he's just an emergency only back. Will not play unless players ahead of him get injured. We both just immediately re-uploaded the CSVs we had before that. So ended up being a good night because of that, because we got on that news. Allen Robinson, as always, getting a ton of targets, 16 targets for him last night. I don't care if it's Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky, if they get Mike Glennon back. I don't care who it is. You are starting Allen Robinson. Those targets are just too good to pass on. Dave Montgomery, I don't know. I don't hate him. He doesn't look like anything special, but 
I don't think being on the Bears, despite them winning, their offense hasn't looked great. So I don't think being on a mediocre at best offense has helped him look good. It's much better to be on, you know, Dak Prescott's offense if you want to have wide open running lanes and defenses forcing their linebackers back into coverage and getting free boxes. So it's hard to say with any certainty what David Montgomery is, but eight targets is quite nice. I know his routes were trending up, as were his targets in the two weeks that Tariq Cohen missed or he missed some of week three and then all of week four, obviously, all of last night as well with that torn ACL. If you're getting a three, bound, three down back with David Montgomery, you kind of just have to start him. And he did look kind of slick. I think the play design was better than David Montgomery's talent was on the play, but it was one of the final plays of the game where they have a receiver set like kind of a pick shallow. David Montgomery slips out and then runs this kind of wheel route downfield. And he catches a loft from Nick Foles under pressure right in the bread basket. And then probably you could say it sealed the game to some extent. So targets are going to be there. And he's a guy who's surprising last year and this year had like a pretty reasonable average depth of target. So he's sort of, I don't know what to make of that. He's just been continuously used downfield as far as running backs go. Miles Sanders is kind of the same way. They get him downfield time in and time out. It's interesting. It's worth noting. I'm probably starting David Montgomery anytime I have him. Can you tell me a little bit about this Tyler Johnson guy? He's a guy that if you were basically optimizing a lineup, you had 100% of him last night because he was 200 and he projected to be the number three receiver. Where did this dude come from? Yeah, you definitely should have had 100% Tyler Johnson. I captained him a lot and that was a solid move too. But Tyler Johnson, he's a fifth round receiver out of Minnesota, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons there. Tyler Johnson's important going forward because Tampa Bay didn't actually use as much 12 personnel as I think some of us were anticipating it's a strategy we saw them take last year when they dealt with injuries to Godwin and Evans. Instead, they basically just inserted Tyler Johnson directly into the slot. He actually played more than Scotty Miller. Justin Watson was inactive. So these are things to monitor going forward. We don't know for sure that Tyler Johnson will be the wide receiver three, but his performance was positive. But other than that, I agree with everything you, you said on the Bears. I agree with Ronald Jones. I think Jones looks fantastic moving forward. And we're getting questions coming in fast thank you guys for all the questions keep throwing them into the chat we're going to start getting to those now and there's about 50 of you watching just shy of that hit that thumbs up button for us it is the best way to support us over at Oslo and thank you if you've already done so we appreciate it very much first start say question is an interesting one it is AJ Brown versus Marquise Brown for me this is I don't think it's too tough of a decision it's going to be Marquise Brown for me I don't know that we're out of the woods yet first and foremost with the the Titan situation. I know they didn't have any yeah. positive tests today, but that's enough of a concern for me to try to avoid those players. If possible, at least come up with a contingency plan. And with Marquise Brown, you have a very nice contingency plan. He's a receiver that is top 10 in air yard share for his team and target share for his team. They've been in a lot of bad game scripts. They've been blowing out opponents and then they got blown out themselves by the chiefs. So Marquise Brown in a potentially competitive game against Cincinnati, I think we could see him finally put off one of those ceiling performances Do you have a lean between A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown? Yeah, for me, it's Marquise Brown pretty clearly. I think it would be modestly close if it weren't for the risks associated with the Titans game. Like you said, we are certainly not out of the woods. I think it was probably Monday, Tuesday that they had two days of no return tests, and I was like excited to play them on the main slate. So I thought we were going to almost certainly after two negative, two days of all negatives, I thought we were out of the woods then. Now, at this point, I'm confident in saying I will not know when we are out of the woods until we truly see the woods behind us. With those risks involved, you absolutely go Marquise Brown here. Marquise Brown, you know, top, he's right now, he's number seven in air yards. He is top five in air yard share. His ADOT of 17.5 is number one among qualified receivers. 
he needs one or two catches to really make the difference on a slate. I think Marquise Brown is probably a better play straight up than A.J. Brown. And then when you factor in the risks of that game not being played, absolutely, I'm going with Marquise Brown here. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's that close. And as we start kind of parlaying this over into our first topical discussion, which is the injury situations across the league, I want to talk about the COVID situations for these teams too. We've already seen two games move, and we touched on maybe there being a little more risk involved with the Titans and the Bills. That's not the only game that was moved. We also had the Patriots game moved. And now you're still starting those guys, especially your marquee starters. But as some of your fringe guys, I'm a little bit hesitant to throw them in the lineup. And I'm looking for contingency plans if possible. Before we answer some more questions, how are you handling, you know, it's not an injury situation, but the COVID situation with the teams that have dealt with positive tests. I know there was a Jets player that tested positive this morning too. And apparently they're rerunning those to see if it was a false positive. But what are you doing with these situations? Yeah, so two things. One, if you're the commissioner of league or if you have the commissioner's ear in a league, I think what you should be doing, what I've tried to do in most of my leagues, is that for these games that the the status is up in the air, which we're going to have a lot of them going forward apparently, is you just get to name alternates. Essentially, you say, if I'm – right now I have, say, Devin Singletary in my lineup. If that game doesn't get played, I want to start – I don't know. You know, I guess Damian Harris maybe isn't a great example because his game got moved too. I want to start James Conner. Or whatever, you know, whatever decision you have to make, you get to name in your chat, in a group text, whatever, an alternate player. So I think that is probably the preferable way. And once that alternate player's game plays, he is locked in and his score is only used in the event that the the starter he is named for doesn't play. So you get a backup contingency plan because this isn't just like your bye week. These things are so up in the air. It's very possible that Titans Bills is not played. I have no clue how the NFL handles that. Do they give the Titans a forfeit? I think they should because Titans probably broke a lot of protocols, it seems like. But that's how I would handle it as a commissioner or as someone who maybe has the ear of a commissioner. And as an owner, if that's not the case, I will say you do have a lot of potential contingency plans. We will have multiple Monday night games tonight or tonight, this week. So you could at least look to pick up some of those guys as we head into Tuesday night. By then, we should probably know. But it does help in this case that it seems like we'll get two two games being played on Monday night. So have your eye on who could be potentially a deep fill-in play. It's not going to give you the greatest projection, but it's better than taking a zero. So have your eye on who could be playing Monday night. We have two games then. Now we have Pat's Broncos that got moved then. So watch out for those guys. And also just you know keep, keep your eye on the news. For sure. And as we keep talking about some injuries, we got a great question. And it's a great question because it deals with three players that have dealt with injuries so far this year. It's Cam Akers versus Jeff Wilson versus Bell. I'm presuming that's Le'Veon Bell. So Cam Akers, he turned in a full practice. It looks like he's going to go back to sharing the backfield with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, rendering that a three-man timeshare. Jeff Wilson, he's himself is not injured, but we had Raheem Mostert log back-to-back limited practices. That was Wednesday and Thursday, and it looks like Mostert will be active could be on a pitch count there. But either way, even if Mostert doesn't play, Jerick McKinnon basically handled all the work there. And Le'Veon Bell, of course, is eligible to come off of injured reserve this week. For me, there's concerns with all of these players. Jeff Wilson has a couple. The There was a Jets, excuse me, <clears throat> not that game. Jeff Wilson, with the Raheem Mostert injury, I think we could see him completely phased out of the game. Yeah. Akers in a three-way committee himself. I guess Bell... He carries the risk with the COVID stuff, but I mean, he's the best workload out of these three. This is a really tough question. What do you think between Cam Akers, Jeff Wilson, and Le'Veon Bell, I presume? 
this this poor man, this poor man or woman dealing with uh, an awful situation. This is so brutal because there are injuries involved. Even if Le'Veon Bell returns, you know, even if he is healthy, I don't even feel 100% sure that Adam Gaze wants, like, he just doesn't like Le'Veon Bell. We know this to be true. So I'm not sure we see Le'Veon Bell get 100% of the work once he returns. And also 100% of the work there is terrible work. It's Jets work. Jets work is like is minimum wage compared to most other NFL franchises. I, I can't imagine like, yeah, they're probably the worst back to to play. If you just like look at per per target and per carry, you're getting less points for them than I would imagine, uh, you know, any other team in the league. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to go Cam Akers, I think. I, I am gravely concerned with playing Jets players. I'd much rather play Rams players. We know they love to run the ball when they're like when they're winning. That's all they're going to do is continue to run the ball at risk. I certainly think we have a scenario where Cam Akers comes back from injury. They ease him in and Sean McVay loves using his committee. Like that's his new that's his new thing. That's his new gem is operating committee. I think he even talked about in the offseason that he saw the way San Francisco operated their backfield and said that he thought he could replicate that to some extent. So it's very risky playing Cam Akers, but I think it does increase your ceiling. And the floor isn't great for Le'Veon Bell either because he could just go out 15 carries, 25 yards, and, you know, a catch or two. So I think the floor is maybe lower for Cam Akers, but the ceiling is undoubtedly higher. And I haven't talked about Jeff Wilson because you can pretty much cut him as soon as Raheem Mostert returns to the lineup, which seems like this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's going to be Akers for me just based on what we, if. We get news that it was a false positive in New York. I think the decision is closer, but right now it's going to be acres and it's not a great situation to target. Um, someone asked in the chat, if you should drop Godwin, absolutely do not drop Chris Godwin. He is going to come back and play a phenomenal role for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a question about tight ends. It is the Titans tight end. So John U. Smith or Evan Engram for the giants. I feel very strongly about this. And I think it's Evan Engram pretty clearly even though they've been in a ton of tough matchups and Ingram's disappointed, he still has a 21% target share and the giant schedule is finally loosening up after they played the Steelers, Bears, 49ers and Rams to start the year. He gets Dallas. And now this game is totaled for 54 points. That's fantastic. We know Dallas has gotten absolutely flamed by opposing offenses to start the year. So I'm very interested in, in Ingram there. As far as John Smith, not only does he have the COVID concerns, that game maybe not getting played this week, but he's not running a ton of routes himself. He's only running routes on 64% of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks. You're going to find tight ends like Ian Thomas that are running more routes than John Smith. He's gotten you there just solely on touchdown efficiency at this point in the season. So it's Engram for me. Any lean between John and Evan Engram? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I won't reiterate it too much. John U. Smith, anytime Anthony Ferkser poses a risk to you as a tight end, I don't want to play you. Whereas Evan Ingram, like top five in targets, he said the target share is quite good. And now things turn around for him. You know, you, you've hit on all the, the sharp points. No reason to deviate from Evan Ingram. I saw, like, I think people are actually getting fairly soured on guys like Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton. Wouldn't be surprised to see some of them hit the waiver while, like, some of them get straight up cut. I know Daniel Jones is a guy who's certainly gotten cut in a lot of leagues. I even have one league where I saw Evan Ingram get cut. I lost Noah fan. Oh, baby. The waiver claim is high for that one. Same with Darius Slayton, who opens the season strong, but has, like, the Giants, like, the Giants don't have a great quarterback. They've played a very rough schedule. You can see why things have gone poorly. 
But as the schedule opens up, as Daniel Jones gets more games under his belt, he'll still be erratic, but it should be. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Be better. I'd be looking to softly buy low on the Giants right now. Get myself a little bit of Evan Ingram. Definitely if Daniel Jones is on your waiver wire, he's one of the best streamers right now. And given his performances in recent weeks, he actually could be on the waiver wire. So I would look to get some, not all of the Giants in my lineups this week. Yeah, I agree. I like the Giants. I like Evan Ingram a ton. We have a question. It is Devontae Parker versus Robert Woods, full point PPR. They're, both of these receivers I'm not too interested this week. Of course, tough matchup for Devontae Parker. And then for Robert Woods, you're just dealing with a team that's so run heavy and they're favored by nearly two scores over the Washington football team. So it projects to be another run-focused game for the Rams. But with that said, Robert Woods still has a 22% target share and they should be living off efficiency in this game. I think he's still the superior target to Devontae Parker. Any lean there? Yeah, like you said, I think when you look at the the touchdown potential, although a lot of the Rams' touchdowns could come on the ground because they're big favorites and we know they love to run, I still think versus the 49ers on the road going to the West Coast on a team that is right now not terrible, but only a 21.25 implied team total, I think you do, in a sense, cap your ceiling. And Robert Woods could still just maintain his efficiency. Like we would in some sense expect him to maintain above average league efficiency his touchdown upside is there I think it's close but I'll give the lean to Robert Woods as well yeah it is a close decision but I think the efficiency with the Rams will be there but before we get some more questions again throw those in the chat guys hit that thumbs up button we really appreciate it I want to talk to you about awesome plus NFL our, our package for the NFL season for DFS you can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, and our premium Slack channel, and much more. Only looking to play NFL? You can sign up now for the NFL Plus package for only $29.95. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Osmo Plus today. We also have a ton of free content, NFL Premium Top Stacks tool that is free today, NBA Fantasy Point projections from Osmo, MLB player rankings. You can find all of that on Osmo.com. So make sure to check out all that stuff. Even something like the Top Stacks tool can be useful for fantasy football. If you're trying to make a tough decision and you're just not sure, check all of that stuff out. Fantastic resources on Osmo.com. But of course, as we get back to your decisions, keep throwing those questions into the chat. Man, we've come so far in fantasy football. We're getting questions like Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater. Can like can you believe this, Kyle? Drew Brees versus Teddy Bridgewater. We've finally gotten to this point in the NFL season. Who do you who do you prefer between these two guys? Man, I'm going Teddy. I'm going Teddy in this incredible matchup versus Atlanta, whose secondary not only has been beaten up by injuries, their whole defense has been beaten up by injuries, but they weren't good to start with. It's not like they have come down from these great highs that you could argue San Francisco. They have a great scheme, but unfortunately, they might not have players to execute it. Atlanta never had such a good scheme. They never had the players to execute it, and then they've been banged up. 
Teddy Bridgewater has played well in recent weeks. He's completing like over 70% of his passes. Actually, you know what? He is just the new Drew Brees. We should just be looking at it as he is the <laughs> low A, like the lower mid to low A dot high completion guy. He even has a little bit of rushing equity. I believe he punched in a touchdown. It was last week. He has great weapons. I think everything lines up for versus Atlanta this game to be a clear shootout. Like Vegas obviously has it as a very obvious shootout spot. I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater here. Yeah, I'm I'm starting Teddy in my high stake seasonal league where I had Cam Newton eventually unfortunately go down with COVID. So Teddy Bridgewater, he's been my starter the last two weeks. He's quietly been super efficient, like you mentioned, 8.1 yards per attempt, a 73% completion percentage, not to mention Atlanta's woes in the secondary. So yeah, I think it's Teddy Bridge and pretty confident there. We have more tight end questions. Zach Ertz. Oh wow, this guy has a lot of questions. All right. We're gonna get these one by one, boss. So here they are. Zach Ertz or John Smith, we touched on John a lot. Ertz also hasn't been impressive, but he's still clearly the wide receiver one, essentially, for that offense right now. So it's going to be yep. Ertz for you, too. All right. And then we have a three. I think you just start one of these guys among the running backs. It's Antonio Gibson, Miles Gaskins, or Joshua Kelly. Those are the three options. And this is a tough one. I'm actually a little interested in Antonio Gibson this week. He's someone that's really seen his usage tick up in recent weeks. Now, of course, we get Kyle Allen coming in. Kyle Allen targeted Christian McCaffrey incessantly last year. I'm not sure whether that's a function of Kyle Allen's preference to target the running back or just, you know, Christian McCaffrey being a baller. But Antonio Gibson, he's seen his opportunities rise. He had 13 and a half opportunities as carries plus targets in the previous game. So he'd be my preferred target over a guy like Gaskin. Kelly, I think, is interesting because he's going to be in that bell cow role I'm not sure how much Justin Jackson is going to siphon off for him, but to make this answer short, it's going to be just for Joshua Kelly, number one, Gibson, number two, Gaskins, three. Is it the same order for you between Joshua Kelly, Antonio Gibson, and Miles Gaskin? I'm going to give the lean to Gibson here, actually. I, I like it. I think the thing for me is that Gibson came in as, like, I thought he was going to be, and I think most people thought his role to start the year would be as like a satellite back, a third down back who just catches passes can give a spark in that sense. But in the first two weeks, he saw four targets to 22 carries. It was almost the script was flipped. Now he's seen the exact same amount of carries, but eight targets. This is a game where they're expected to be losing. I think as the season goes on, you just continue to see him push out all other backs in this backfield. We've already seen, obviously, we haven't seen the Peyton Barber role maintain itself unsurprisingly. I think the same thing happens with J.D. McKissick, where he just continues to get pushed to the fringes. I don't know if that happens this week, but it would. I would project it to at some point we see close to a three-down Antonio Gibson role. For that reason, I think the upside will always be there on a weekly basis. I think, especially assuming it's PPR, you should just be looking to get Gibson in as many of your lineups as possible. Joshua Kelly is close, though. I think for me, maybe it's just I want to see how they use Josh Kelly one time before I am confident in starting him, although I will be starting him in spots where I have to. Yeah, I, I think it's close. I still am going to give Joshua Kelly the lean, but mm-hmm. I, like I said, I like Antonio Gibson a lot moving forward, too. Okay, man. Here we have like some really gross QB questions, of course, like Love Daniel it. Jones versus Derek Carr is another one. I hope you guys can maybe get like some Teddy Bridgewater off the waiver wire if this is your decision. But if you are, if this is all you have and we're looking Daniel Jones versus Derek Carr, it's going to be Daniel Jones for me based on solely what is matchup at this point against, against Dallas and Daniel Jones at least offers you something with your, with his legs, any lean between Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. Yeah, no, you laid out the exact argument for me. I think the matchup is much better than it is for Derek Carr facing Kansas City. That defense, although, you know, you like when the other offense puts up points, but that defense has been stout 
through four weeks, whereas the Dallas defense has been just a giant gaping hole that any quarterback has been able to shred if they so choose, or for the Browns, they choose to do it with their running back. So for me, Daniel Jones, it's not even that close for me. And I like what you said, the, the legs too are an important factor in starting Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, I do think that makes a difference here. Poor William in our chat, he's the one that had that Jeff Wilson running backs question. He also has a QB dilemma. It's a two quarterback league. He has to choose two of these players. It's Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Phillip Rivers, and Kyle Allen. My friend, we need to get you on the waiver wire and get some good QBs here. I don't think your QB situation is terrible this week. It's going to be Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray for me over Phillip Rivers and Kyle Allen. Again, Daniel Jones, the rushing upside. And Kyler Murray himself, while he hasn't been efficient as a passer, he still gives you that upside with his legs. Here are the options. We need to pick two. Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Phillip Rivers, and Kyle Allen. Yeah, you pick the same two as I would. No, no dissent here. Kyle Allen's terrible. Philip Rivers is uh, maybe a little better than I expected because I didn't expect him to be much, but his team just wants to establish the run and they're playing another team that just wants to establish the one run in Cleveland. Whereas like Daniel Jones is going to have to try and Kyler Murray, even if his game is terrible, like I COVID concerns aside, I don't think this game is a massive risk. It's not to the level that the Titans are worth considering, but I will push that to the side for now. Even if the game is not a good game environment for Kyler Murray, you're still starting him over all these other guys. And his rushing upside is just unreal. You know, he is, one of he is very close, not the same, but he's not far off from Lamar Jackson as a rusher. When you watch him play, like we don't have combine numbers on him, and I don't think we do on Lamar Jackson either. But these guys clearly are like four, 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 five guys. They look very similar as athletes. Lamar Jackson, a little bit bigger, he's still kind of skinny, but a little bit bigger, maybe takes some more hits and is more aggressive. But Kyler Murray is one of the two fastest quarterbacks in the NFL by a considerable margin. No reason to ever consider benching him, even if the the opposing matchup, you know, the defense isn't good, but the offense is also not good. Even if that doesn't line up, just play Kyler Murray every single week. Yeah, I agree 100%. We got we have another question that really speaks to the landscape of fantasy football at this time. It is T.Y. Hilton or Darius Slayton. Kyle, what is your lean between T.Y. Hilton and Darius Slayton in this situation? Oh, we're going Darius Slayton. We're, we're sticking with, I guess this is a giant show. This is not a waiver or not a waiver. This is not a start-sit show. This is a giant show because I am... Although I would say my cutoff is a Golden Tate. Golden Tate's market share numbers have been egregious. He has a tiny A dot. I don't want to get him in any of my lineups. Darius Slate meets the threshold of his air yards numbers are incredible. He's like top 15, I believe, or top 10 in air yard share. Overall air yards, not too far off either. So for me, Darius Slayton, if there was ever a game where he bounces back from a few slow weeks, it would be this game against the Dallas defense. And he's getting the, the market share numbers and the total numbers in terms of total targets and total air yards that indicate a ceiling game is in his range of outcomes. When you dig as deep as Golden Tate, I actually don't think a ceiling game is really in his range of outcomes. Yeah, I do agree with that. And another one coming in, Joe Mixon versus Antonio Gibson. So we, I think we laid out a fairly compelling case for Antonio Gibson, but I'm still going to fall back on the volume for Joe Mixon in the situation. I know Joe Mixon essentially has just, what is it, one good game this year and the rest have been fairly disappointing. Yeah. But Mixon is still the bell cow for this team. I know it's a tough matchup against Baltimore, but he's now running around on 59% of dropbacks. We just saw him get six targets. He's seeing over 20 opportunities per game. That's carries plus targets. Would you go with Antonio Gibson over Mixon in this situation? No, like you said, it, it's still, we know Joe Mixon is a, a true bell cow back in the truest of sense. And like we saw last week, I, I think routes can be sometimes deceptive, like we've seen with Kenyon Drake versus Chase Edmonds. Where Don't the remind me, were, dude. I'm not ready for this. 
the routes were always in favor, but uh, my lean is that he would go out there and be the, like just uh, running, not wind sprints because he's probably just laying out in the flat, but he's running routes that are never really designed to get targets to him, whereas Chase Edmonds comes in and actually does run routes that have a chance of being targeted, much less the case with Joe Mixon. I know we've seen some Giovanni Bernard, but when we get those six targets last week, that should be enough to, to calm ourselves that he is both obviously the between-the-tackles runner and probably the majority of the targets out of the backfield as well. So for me, I'm much more confident now after seeing that target total from last week that there is no reason, even in negative game script, you shouldn't be playing Joe Mixon. I think so too. I'm a big Joe Mixon fan. Going back, I mean, I played him in DFS every single week, and it's mostly hurt me, except for last week. (laughs) But anyway, as we go through some of these questions, looks like there's multiple calls to talk the Eagles wide receiver room. All right, guys. So... We have former AAF star Greg Ward. He's Dude, the AAF is having a moment with the Ernest Johnson, with Greg Ward. A lot of AAF alums showing out in the NFL right now. But there, this is actually an injury situation we should touch on because we have a couple Philadelphia receivers that have practiced on a limited basis, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. They're taking Alshon along slowly, so I would assume he's... Alshon Jeffrey is out. That was... That was like, as we got live, I believe Alshon Jeffrey got ruled out with his illness. It was, I saw that in okay. uh, the Roto World Slack chat. So there you go. Update Alshon, there. Live breaking news. Out. Thank you, Kyle, for saving me an Alshon Jeffrey breakdown. But it, Deshaun Jackson, he still could play. He was limited in practice. I think Deshaun Jackson immediately is inserted above Greg Ward as the top target, as long as he's not limited. In the first two weeks, Deshaun Jackson had seven and nine targets. So he would be the preferred play if you need to target one of these guys. Again, Philly's had a different offensive line combination every single week of the year. They're going to get absolutely ravaged by this Pittsburgh front seven. So I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to start any of these guys, if possible. If you need to, and Deshaun's active, it would be him. Otherwise, I guess you can start Greg Ward on target volume alone. What's your take? Yeah, Greg Ward, a deep play only, only if Deshaun Jackson is inactive. Even if Deshaun Jackson is active on a limited basis, is appearing to play on a pitch count, at that point I'm still ruling Greg Ward out because you need Greg Ward to get eight, nine targets based on his efficiency numbers or to score. Like his eight out just isn't deep enough to produce big plays. So if you're even if you're in a PPR league, you need a lot of targets from Greg Ward to really get excited about playing him. If Deshaun Jackson takes away two, three of those targets, even I'm not really playing Greg Ward. If Deshaun Jackson is active and playing, you know, there's no reports that he's on a pitch count or anything. You said the target numbers were great through two weeks. He was also number two in air yards through two weeks. Didn't get the chance to really capitalize on those after getting injured. But if the the volume is going to be there, I get the defensive matchup is difficult, but he's worth a deep consideration at flex. And I would assume he's probably been cut in a decent amount of leagues, probably rightfully so, but If he comes back to a receiving core that has been absolutely ravaged, they'll still have no Alshon Jeffrey. They won't have Dallas Goddard. It's worth consideration, especially if if, if you're dealing with some some serious wide receiver injuries, which I'm sure some teams are. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm interested in Deshaun, at least. There's a couple DFS questions about stacking Lamar. If you guys have questions about DFS, I would say check out the premium top stacks tool. It is free today, guys. That's on Osmo.com. So you can check out which quarterback. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You should be stacking how owned those stacks will be and the likelihood there in the top lineup. That's all, all over at Awesome.com. Again, NFL Premium's top stacks tool is free. We also have the Express Pass editions at Awesome.com. These are still fairly new. We've added some great tools to our NFL Express Pass. For only $3.95, you can purchase an NFL Weekly Express Pass, which now includes everything you need for NFL Showdown, single-game contest formats. You can now get access to Awesome Showdown and single-game player projections, ownership projections, and top plays tool when you purchase this pass. In addition to player rankings, lineup builder light, and ownership rankings. It's the best offering ever for an express pass. So head over to osmo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL express pass. And thank you guys again for all the questions. We appreciate you very much. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already and keep the questions flowing. We will continue to get through these. Let's see here. Dalton Schultz or John U. Smith. We've labored John U. Smith, but I will just give you my quick preference. It is Dalton Schultz. Any preference there, Kyle? Yep, Dalton Schultz for all the reasons we've talked about. Ooh, good one here. Battle of the Rookie, C.D. Lamb or Justin Jefferson? I'm going to go, I'll personally go with C.D. Lamb here, still like clearly out targeting Michael Gallup. I know Michael Gallup plays this role that he doesn't need a ton of targets to get there. He's like the field stretcher of this team, and they can both get there. I don't think we've seen that to this point in this season, but it's not impossible that they both get there. So I don't think you have to be awfully concerned about Michael Gallup's role. I'm going to go with C.D. Lamb on a team that is – is on pace to to pass for, I believe, over 6,700 yards, like would be by far and away, would be comically the most passing yards in a single NFL season for a quarterback or for a team. Does that sustain itself? Probably not. But does that show that they are going to continue to air it out probably, you know, in perpetuity? Yes. So I'm going to go C.D. Lamb here. And on the other side of the ball, like or on the other side of the script, Justin Jefferson, his team, even though they are one in three, is one of the only, I believe, six teams to be running the ball more than they are passing the ball. They're one in three. They're losing most of their games. And they still think, well, we got to establish that run. We got to set up our play action or whatever they believe that gives them. All the other teams who are running more than they're passing are either 500 or better. Four of them are three and one. Even if they lose badly to Seattle, they're probably still going to be running the ball. And he's still not like he hasn't usurped Adam Thielen as the number one. If he's the number one receiver on a run heavy team, I can get on board with it. I think he's a fine flex play, but I feel confident every week in CeeDee Lamb because of his offense. I can't say the same for Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I would caution against just outright looking at target share numbers and using that as, you know, your one-for-one decision-making process. When we were comparing you and I on our show yesterday on the FanDuel show, we were comparing CD Lamb versus Marquise Brown. Their target share numbers are very different. Marquise Brown's in the top 10 in the NFL in target share, but CD Lamb actually has more targets than Marquise Brown overall, despite being 10% less in overall target share. So CD Lamb is going to be a smash play just because of how many plays and how many points and how efficient this Dallas offense is. Um, props to you guys in the chat. You guys are hilarious. Steve Boyden coming in with my favorite question so far. If you guys can phrase these questions in these, uh, these weird manners like Steve did, much appreciated. He says, should I punt off another mortgage payment on Kenyon Drake this week? Um, my, 
so we we do a segment on here about players that we should potentially bench. And Kenyon Drake was on the list, Kyle. I was going to ask you, at what point are we considering benching players like Kenyon Drake? I wanted to talk about him in conjunction with David Johnson, just some players overall that we have been really disappointed in the first couple weeks of the year. At what point are you going to start looking at benching guys like Drake and Johnson? Yeah, it really depends who your other options are. I have some teams that I went running back heavy because the draft fell to me that way. And if one of those guys was David Johnson or Kenyon Drake, I probably have other good options. I like James Conner was a guy you could have stacked with those guys potentially. I'll probably be taking James Conner over them. I think if we get any news that, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert is going to be on a bit of a pitch count, Jarek McKinnon definitely enters the conversation as an RB2. Uh, Mike Davis, I'm clearly taking over these guys. I think they fall in my range as low-end RB2s, and there are certainly some teams that have multiple mid-to-high RB2s to RB1s. So I think they're fine, you know, fringe RB2 flex plays, but that's what you have to consider them at this point. They are not, you know, they're not three-down backs. Duke Johnson is going to play a role. Chase Edmonds is going to play a significant role. They're just between the tackles grinders, and that can get you there on a given week, especially if they score. Kenyon Drake allergic to scoring, but it could happen. I think they're okay plays but they don't get any better than, you know, low-end RB2s for me. I'm not excited about playing them. There are a lot of mid-RB2s and, you know, ranging up to the RB1 that I am playing over them. So they're fine, but don't hesitate from benching them just because you spent a lot of draft capital on them a few months ago. I agree with you. There's an interesting follow-up question here. It refers to Kenyon Drake. At this point in the season, would you prefer starting Kenyon Drake or Antonio Gibson? Kenyon Drake, oh, oh baby, let's go with Gibson. Let's ride this. Let's go with Gibson. You're all in I on think, Gibson this week, man. You're all in. You're pretty pretty all in. I, I think one of our questions wasn't it Gibson Mixon. I'm not that all in. Let's not get carried away here. But Gibson, I think, is one of those guys who falls in, especially because of his receiving production. Let's assume we're talking about PPR, but I think you can even make this argument at half PPR that his receiving production gives him essentially the same like overall output, even if he only gets 12 carries in PPR, but even in standard, even in standard leagues a target and a catch are worth more than an individual rush. So the touch totals are going to look similar, maybe slightly in favor of Drake. But when you factor in that so many of Gibson's touches, four or five project to be catches, I think he's simply a better play in all formats except maybe standard. I, I, I happen to agree with you in this situation, not just because I lost some money playing a lot of money playing Kenyon Drake in DFS last week, but I do think his role isn't quite what we expected moving into the year. And speaking of which, if you are desperate at running back, I think Chase Edmonds is worth a look as a flex play. I think you could do a lot worse than playing a guy like Chase Edmonds right now. We have a streamer question. It is Justin Herbert or Carson Wentz at quarterback. So we mentioned Carson Wentz is now dealing with what is going to be, I think it's his fourth or his fifth change in just offensive line combination. The guys they've been starting on the offensive line have changed nearly every single week. It's been terrible for Wentz. He also is dealing with just a myriad of injuries to his pass catchers. Tell me why Justin Herbert, I, I'm assuming you prefer Herbert, but tell me a little bit about Herbert and why we can look to him as a streamer. Yes, there's a few things. One, he plays the Saints defense, which hasn't been as good as we would have expected. There's still a good defense, but my lean is that you want to play good offenses and the Saints have turned things around a bit. I think they're starting to get their groove. I think Michael Thomas coming back, which the assumption i'm not sure that happens but is my lean that we see michael thomas back i want to play quarterbacks even though this isn't dfs i still think the same rules apply that you want to play quarterbacks in good offense be offense matchups even more so than defense be offense because the quarterback is going to be the largest determinant of the outcome of his own plays not the defense although defense does have an impact 
It's not nearly as much as Justin Herbert being really good. We've seen multiple 300-yard games from him. He's aggressive going downfield, and he has one of the best cast of weapons, even without Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen is your number one. I think Joshua Kelly should be fine as a pass catcher. Hunter Henry, Donald Parham, you know, not really. But I do think he has the weapons to get it done. He gives you a little bit with his legs, not a ton, but a little bit with his legs. Has 300-yard upside. So I, I believe here is Justin Herbert for me, and it sounds like you agree. Yes, 100% agree. I love Justin Herbert's long-term outlook. He's They're running so many plays, and they're actually letting him just unload. Even if he throws, like we've talked about turnovers for quarterbacks a lot. If Justin Herbert is, he hasn't even been this, but if he does end up being like a little erratic, throw a pick six here or there, that's not necessarily bad for Herbert, just the way scoring is weighted towards positive outcomes versus negative outcomes. As far, oh, oh man, adjuster BG has a slew of riches on his team. He needs to start three out of Ezekiel Elliott, James Connor, Kareem Hunt, David Johnson, Latavius Murray, and Jarek McKinnon. Nice drafting by you, Adjuster BG. But it's going to be the first three, Ezekiel Elliott, James Connor, and Kareem Hunt. I like David Johnson, Latavius Murray, and Jarek McKinnon, but just given your options, I think those are the top three. Any qualms with that, Kyle? Nope, I think you laid all the, the three most bell cowbacks we have out of the group. Take them and, you know, take your money. Okay, we have another Bridgewater dilemma. I want to talk about Deshaun Watson. We've talked a lot about Bridgewater, but between the two, do you have a preference? And what can we expect from Deshaun Watson moving forward, given the coaching change? Yeah, the coaching change, I mean, they were already a team that was like way too run heavy for their 0-4 record. Like you should, if you have Deshaun Watson and you're losing games, you should never be running the ball, especially when David Johnson's running back. Like I, I can't imagine doing that. So they do move to defensive minor Romeo Cornell. And I think those guys generally, in my opinion, would lean towards establishing the run and playing good defense. That just isn't in the cards for them. They have no choice. They should have no choice but to to pass the ball and they get a great matchup versus Jacksonville this week. Jacksonville has just been shredded by a ton of different quarterbacks, not a ton of good ones either. Just anyone who's faced them has done particularly well, including like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was, I thought a week or two before that we could have seen, we could have been seeing Tua and then he's turned things around quite handsomely. So I think the matchup is still good enough and the weapons are still there for Deshaun Watson. No DeAndre Hopkins has clearly hurt him. I don't think you could spin that any other way, but he still has one of, if not the best deep threats in Will Fuller. They've even used him on short to intermediate routes. And I think anytime you can get the ball in Will Fuller's hands, that is a net positive for your offense. So I think he has the right tools. He is still has rushing upside and he's still Deshaun Watson. Maybe he's not the same Deshaun Watson without DeAndre Hopkins, but he's still the far superior quarterback and the matchup sets up well after a slew of difficult matchups, you know, saying the Vikings who were terrible and he did all right against them. It's just interesting to me. We're having this conversation. Who would have thought yeah. we would be debating Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater versus Deshaun Watson to start the year. But again, thank you guys for your questions. Help us out by hitting that thumbs up button and keep the questions coming. We will get through as many as we can in the latter half of the show here. Of course, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. All right. Oh, man. Great question here. Debo Samuel, Cole Beasley, or Hayden Hurst? Debo, of course, we have coming off the injury. Beasley, I mean... I think he's the odd man out here. It would be between Debo and Hurst for me. And Hurst, of course, playing in that Atlanta offense, and he hasn't quite seen the opportunity we've expected out of him. Any preference between Debo, Beasley, and Hurst? Oh, yeah, this is uh, 
we didn't see enough of Debo Samuel last week for me to take him over Hayden Hurst is where I'm going to fall, even though maybe the market share numbers aren't going to be great for Hurst. Simply the overall pie that he gets to eat from is going to be incredible with Matt Ryan and a game that expects to shoot out. I'm going to go with Hurst here, although it's, it's a bit difficult. Maybe if we had seen one or two weeks of Debo resuming that number one role, I'd actually feel good about Debo because I like him as a talent. He even adds a little bit with his legs, much like Brandon Ayuk. But if you're going to have George Kittle just crowding out everyone else in that offense, it is quite difficult to feel confident in any of Brandon Ayuk, Debo, or even you know the backs right now. So I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would pick Hurst. What I'll say about Debo is that his role should increase. Obviously, Kyle and I are not Kyle Shanahan. We do not know at what rate or frequency he will be used this upcoming week. So taking a risk-averse approach, I think Haste is your Hurst is your answer here. But Debo is at least intriguing. We need pick two out of these three. It is Robbie Anderson, Marquise Brown, and Antonio Gibson. He specifies that Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. I mean, whether or not Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, we're going Marquise Brown, I'll stick with the man's Antonio Gibson, although I, I like all of these guys. You know, it's difficult because I've had Gibson matched up against guys I feel not as competent in. Like, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine selling out on Kenyon Drake for Gibson. I like Robbie Anderson. He leads his team in targets. It's expected to be a great game. So I don't think you can go wrong here. I love the stack, so I'm going to lock in Marquise Brown and tentatively go with Antonio Gibson. Do you have a difference? And for me, if you have a difference, I think it's totally warranted. I still think Robbie Anderson and you laid out the reason why it would be just overall target share numbers, but it's close. I, I agree with you that Marquise Brown is the very clear answer there. So we'll let's lock in Marquise Brown. And then if you have a strong feeling between Robbie Anderson and Antonio Gibson, I would just make the choice based on the tiebreaker, but I'm going to go Anderson. That sounds like you're going to go Gibson, um, Michael Gallup or Patrick. So this has to be Tim Patrick, right? Patrick, Patrick. There are no other Patricks, right? Yeah, it has to be Tim Patrick and Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup. Michael yeah. Gallup, for sure. Um, let's see here. Jordan, Dalton Schultz or Darren Waller? Come on, man. You're, you got to start Darren Waller, right? Yep. Right, Kyle? Yep. You, you got to start Darren Waller. You got to start Darren Waller. All right. Got to start Darren Waller. Pick two out of this group. DJ Moore, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Antonio Gibson, or Joshua Kelly? My, man, you have an abundance of riches. This is tough. I think for me, man, it's going to be hard to say any of these guys. Probably DJ Moore and CD Lamb, but it's close. I like Joshua Kelly a ton and Antonio Gibson. Jefferson's the fifth out of those options for me. Here are your five options. We need to pick two again, Kyle. DJ Moore, CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Antonio Gibson, and Joshua Kelly. Yeah, I think we're in agreement. It sounds like that you lock in DJ Moore. I know we haven't had the explosion from DJ Moore yet, but he is like top five in air yards share. I believe top 10 in air yards as well. I know he hasn't quite gotten the same amount of targets, but it's still close with, with Robbie Anderson. And interestingly, the roles have kind of been flipped. Robbie Anderson, lower ADOT, getting a few more targets. I think it's just 34 to 32 targets. DJ Moore running down the field, hogging those air yards. You're playing in an awesome spot. You're playing DJ Moore. I think so too. I think... I think I'll agree on C.D. Lamb with you as well over Gibson. Maybe that's my breaking point on Gibson is an awesome flex play like C.D. Lamb. But those two are very close to me. I would say we agree on our number one quite easily, D.J. Moore, and we agree on our number five. I didn't really consider Justin Jefferson. And then maybe, uh, you know, the person who asked the question has to split the tie between us going, uh, you know, me, soft Antonio Gibson, C.D. Lamb, 
you sounded a bit more confident in CD Lamb, but I know you like Joshua Kelly as well. Joshua Kelly should see a ton of work. That game is a decent total too. Um, we have a real deep question here, and I want you to actually talk about this situation a lot. I think it could be important for players that need deep sleepers at the running back position. It's Dearness Johnson versus Chris Herndon, and I know you have strong takes on the Jets overall, so let's let's keep this mostly to the Dearness Johnson talk. How viable is he as a potential flex? Yeah, so we've seen – I was – and I still am fairly confident that we see a lot of Kareem Hunt this week. I mean, last week we did see 13 carries for Dearness Johnson, 95 yards. I think that was largely a product of Kareem Hunt coming into the game as questionable, limited with that groin injury, and then they lose their top running back in the middle of the game. Then they have a massive lead. Everything lines up for them to get a backup running back in. Kareem Hunt's been limited all week with that same groin injury, assumedly. So I think we see some Dearness Johnson. I don't think it's a ton, but this is a team that I think we can reasonably project to run the ball at above average efficiency. They're favored at home. I think everything lines up for Dearness Johnson to have an okay game. Nothing has ever lined up well for Chris Herndon at this point. So this is this is the kind of grimy question I like. All these people coming in here with like, I've got Zeke, I've got Dalvin Kamara. Which one do I start? I've got, uh, you know, picked up Mike Davis. He's a good play. I've got Calvin Ridley, all these great players. Now, give me these nasty questions. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Dearness Johnson because I just can't, you know, it's we've come too far. I can't be playing Jets. Dude, I hope you're looking at the chat. It has just been absolute fire. Uh, Joey is in the chat. Joey Corman, who works with us at Osmo, he says, Chris Herndon, the fourth. The fourth stands for his receptions this year. Oh, man. Uh, the chat is, thank you guys for the great comments in the chat. You guys have been absolutely fantastic today. All right, great question here. It's LaVisca Chenault versus Tim Patrick. I'm anticipating you saying Chenault. I don't know for sure you're going to take this viewpoint, but either way, I want you to tell me why the Jags are sneaky. So the Jags are sneaky because they have been quite efficient passing this year. I think Gardner Minshew's one limitation was in that game where he didn't have DJ Chark and they really had no way to stretch the field. He got DJ Chark back and they played quite well. They play a terrible defense against the, the Texans defense. And both these teams like to run at a very reasonable pace. So this should be a sneaky game from both sides of the ball. You want to get your Will Fullers and you want to get Deshaun Watson. If you're playing, I have a super flex league where I have Deshaun Watson and Gardner Minshew. I am excited for that week. I think you want to get all of your guys in. The only concern is I did see that uh, LaVisca Chanel popped up on the injury report. I don't think it was quite serious, but I think worth monitoring. I'll double check on this. But that would be my only concern. LaVisca Chanel for me, quite still very clearly over Tim Patrick, though. Yeah, we're, we should get the final injury report today. So, of course, of course guys, keep your, your eyes on this. And it looks like we're through all of the questions to this point, or most of them. Okay, a few are trickling in. Again, Kyle and I have about 10 minutes left. So throw your questions into the chat if you have them, and we will try to get to them all. I missed one from earlier. It is about A.J. Green, his viability, and when do we potentially sell on A.J. Green? Are you playing A.J. Green at all this week? And if you had him in a lineup, who would you consider maybe, I don't know, taking a stab on over him? Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing any A.J. Green. He just seems like the number three at best receiver on his own team. I just, uh, he seems like he's inefficient at this point. Now he faces a difficult matchup. Can't find myself getting into any A.J. Green. You should sell him for anything. Like, I, what would you even, what would you give for A.J. Green? Like, I, I've seen A.J. Green cut in a bunch of leagues, and I thought, well, I don't know. Do I even want to pick him up? I picked up Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I'm keeping Justin Jefferson over him. Like, what are you, what can you even get for A.J. Green? 
okay, there's a there's an interesting start sit decision that I've kind of created in my mind. Someone wanted us to talk about Alameda Zacchaeus for Atlanta, and I'm gonna for the sake of this conversation we're about to have between AJ Green and Alameda Zacchaeus, I'm gonna assume Julio Jones is out. I kind of prefer Alameda Zacchaeus. Am I crazy? No, I mean, we're talking about two number three receivers. One of them plays, I mean, two number three receivers for pass-heavy teams. One of them has Matt Ryan in a much better game script or a much better game environment. And one of them has Joe Burrow, who has been inefficient, and it's fine. Like, I think he's still played, he's flashed enough upside that I don't think if you like Joe Burrow, you are at all concerned. I'm just saying right now, you can reasonably project Matt Ryan to be significantly more efficient than Joe Burrow. I don't think that's a stretch to say, even if you like Joe Burrow, which I promise I do. Also gets a way better matchup versus terrible Carolina secondary. Assuming Julio Jones is out, yeah, I'm probably going to take Zacchaeus. Yeah, it's it's the same for me. Now, if, if Julio Jones does play, I would flip this just for what that's worth. You're going to need to watch Julio today. Yes. Julio, he, did, he was technically listed as a DMP yesterday, but he did get in individual drills. That was from their head coach said that himself. I thought he was actually going to be a limited participant based on that quote, but he ended up being DMP. Another question, man, and this is all your favorite players, Antonio Gibson, Justin Jefferson, CD lamb for a full PPR flex play. It's still CD lamb for me, but it's a narrow decision. Any lean? Yeah, I made the same decision last time. CD lamb by a razor thin margin. I think you can't go wrong between him and Gibson. I guess I'll go with CD lamb. Like obviously I'm going with him again. I chose him the first time. What if I was just like making the different, the different decision every time, <laughs> just covering my bases. One guy comes back mad at me next week. He's like, why would you tell me to start Gibson? CD lamb scored three times. I'm like, I don't know. This other guy is really happy with my decision. CD lamb by a razor thin margin. I think so too. Um, Mr. Portugal, you're still undecided between Bridgewater or Watson. That one's tough. I think you got to go Watson still just based solely on his long-term like pedigree is a phenomenal starter in the NFL. His talent. He's better. His his talent. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. That's the word I needed. And he's going up against Jacksonville. So it's a fantastic matchup. And while I do like Bridgewater, I just don't see the same ceiling out of him. So that would be how I decide that decision here. I have a question for you, Kyle. It's about some other players that have disappointed to start the year. And one of them is just the Denver Broncos team. Overall, we have Melvin Gordon, who's handled a sizable workload in Philip Lindsay's absence with Philip Lindsay coming back, can you play either of these guys? Like, are either of them flex viable? That's basically the whole question. Or are you sitting them both? Yeah, you, you can't play Philip Lindsay. Even if uh, even if he does come back, he comes back as a, I don't know, at best 1B. If he comes back at 100% health, I think he got seven carries in week one. If he comes back at 100% health and they give him that role again, he comes back as the 1B or more like a 1C on an offense that is not going to put up. Like, I get They put up points against the Jets. They're not going to put up a ton of points this week. You're not going to put up that many points. You're getting seven inefficient carries and one or two targets. Melvin Gordon, you probably can play. I would slot him in just ahead of guys like David Johnson and Kenyon Drake because the workload has been a bit more there. And frankly, he just looks like, and he's been more efficient as a better running back. He looks like a better running back. The stats have somewhat bared that out. So I would slot him in just ahead of the David Johnson's and Kenyon Drake's, but I like another guy, he kind of falls in that same range. He's maybe the top tier of running backs that I go, Ugh, I guess if I have to. Yeah, I agree with you. A direct quote from the chat. Do not play AJ Green. Go donate that money. At least you can write that off as a charitable donation on your income tax. So that's where we stand with AJ Green at this point. And let's talk about T Higgins for a second here. Do you prefer T Higgins over AJ Green straight up at this point? Yeah, I absolutely prefer T Higgins over AJ Green. I think these guys will probably split that outside role. Like I don't think, you know, I think I've said a few times AJ Green is his team's number three receiver. 
I don't know if it's 100 percent true that he's his team's number three receiver, but in terms of fantasy points, these guys are going to split a role that is somewhat valuable. Uh, you know, I think being Joe Burrow's outside option on a team that's going to pass 45 plus times a game is quite valuable. But one of these guys is old and inefficient and hasn't done anything with his air yards. And one of these guys is T. Higgins, and I'm starting T. Higgins. Agreed. I like T. Higgins in that situation, too. OK, we have four options here. We're starting one. DJ Chark. Antonio Gibson, Jamison Crowder, or Deontay Johnson. I think immediately I'm going to rule out Jamison Crowder. This falls into our don't play Jets rule, if unless you absolutely have to. And given the rest of the options here, I actually prefer Deontay Johnson in this situation. I know it's not the best matchup against Philadelphia. That game doesn't have a high total or anything like that. But Deontay Johnson has a 23.5% target share in this Pittsburgh offense, and that's considering a game where he left early with a concussion and was ruled out. He's easily out-targeted Juju Smith-Schuster on the year. So I think he's worth a look in a game that could be a little bit sneaky here. You and I have talked a lot about the potential play volume in this game. Philadelphia is 11th in seconds per play, and Pittsburgh's run the eighth most plays overall. We're dealing with a couple of efficient defensive teams, but if there's any lapse or regression in defensive efficiency, we could see more plays than expected. So that's my case for Deontay Johnson. Here are the four options again. We need to pick one. DJ Chark, Antonio Gibson, Jamison Crowder, or Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I think this whole show is just trying to find where my breaking point with Antonio Gibson is. And I think Deontay Johnson falls on the right side of the breaking point. Like you said, the target share numbers are good. The air yard share numbers are quite impressive as well. 29.8% air yards, that is number 25 in the league. Much better than Juju Smith-Schuster, who's just operating as this like Jarvis Landry light. So for me, I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. The spot is sneaky. It's not great, but it is upside laden because of the pace, because the you know these teams do have maybe talented quarterbacks with Carson Wentz, definitely talented quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson here as he has played as his team's number one wide receiver, despite missing, it was at least half a game, might even a little more than half a game with that concussion. The, the numbers still bear out that he is his team's number one receiver on top of Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm going to go with a number one receiver over Antonio Gibson. And as long as the team is competent, the team is, you know, good. I think that's a statement that you could blanket say that I like Antonio Gibson, but if I can lock in a ton of targets and a decent amount of air yards, I'm still going to do that over Gibson because the spot isn't, is never great for a Washington offense. I like Gibson, but I like number one receivers for Ben Roethlisberger more. For sure. There is another AJ green follow-up question. It says, does AJ green being third in the league in air yards mean there's going to be positive regression? And yeah, I think you guys should be looking at air yards. It's a really important predictor of future success the problem i have with aj green's air yards is they're they're front loaded they're front loaded to the beginning of the season when he saw nine and 13 targets the last two games he's only seen six and five and we're seeing the target shares rise for players players like tyler boyd and t higgins so when you just look at when those air yards occurred it's a downward trend for aj green versus tyler boyd and t higgins they're on that upward trend so i don't know look at it game by game if you still want to buy into AJ Green based on areas alone, there there is a case to be made. I can't lie on that whatsoever. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, you you laid it out perfectly. Is that week one hundred and thirty two air yards, week two two hundred and six air yards, and then after that, that was a spot that I was on him. I was I was playing the air yards game. I was saying you want to buy this guy's air yards. It will regress at some point, even if he's not very good anymore. He's still getting the volume, and volume going to not good players will still pan out every now and then. And then he goes out six targets, forty eight air yards. The next week. Five targets, 97 air yards. It is very front-loaded, massively front-loaded. In week two, he had more air yards than he has in the two weeks since then. I think at this point, they're probably just seeing what he can produce, which is not much, and moving T. Higgins over him. So 
the air yards were there and they're still there to an extent. 97 air yards isn't bad. Six targets and five targets is fine. But given that he is now being scaled back relative to T Higgins, I think looking at those air yards on the season total might be, might be getting you into some hot water. I agree. All right. Two more questions and then we're going to head out, head out of here. Crowder versus McLaurin. Easy one here. McLaurin qualms. No, I mean, I think uh, I don't want to, don't want to be playing Kyle Allen's receivers, but I definitely don't want to be playing Joe Flacco's receivers. And one of these receivers is incredibly talented. The other one is fine. Jameson Crowder isn't bad, but he's a low ADOT, serves a very specific role that doesn't have a ton of upside. Terry McLaurin, young, more talented, a better role going deeper down the field. And the quarterback situation is probably neutral between the two. T. Higgins versus Julian Edelman. And then we'll get out of here. There is the COVID worry with Edelman. Again, that game's already been moved. We've talked at length about Higgins. So what's kind of that breaking point for some of these receivers like Edelman who are in games with concerns? I'm still going to roll with Julian Edelman here. Outside of last week was absolutely dominating the air yards and the targets. I know Demir Bird had a good game last week. I don't think we should expect Demir Bird to run over Julian Edelman going forward. I still think he is clearly his team's number one receiver. So it's definitely a discount going to a bad game environment. You do run a little bit of COVID risk, but I am going to side with Julian Edelman here. I'm just going to take number one receivers wherever I can get them unless they're on the Jazz. Agreed. All right, guys, that'll do it for us today. Hit that thumbs up button before we head out of here. We had about 150 of you watching today and tons of questions. Thank you so much. I am on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. He, Kyle Dvorak, is on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. And if you ever miss these shows live, make sure to check out our podcast network. You can find all of the shows on anywhere you listen to podcasts on playback. Thank you, guys. We'll be back again next week. You have a good weekend.